Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good day, beautiful podcast family. What a privilege and honor to be with you as always. I hope that wherever you are in the world that you're doing amazing. We've got an awesome podcast for you today. We are exploring the art of public speaking, communication, and self-confidence with Michael Gendler and Tristan DiMontebello. This is an epic episode. We dive deep on a lot of things. Um self-confidence, public speaking, um, the art of self-expression, the disease of identity, why the fear of getting started keeps you from moving forward, the Buddhist eightfold path, uh, the Stanford experiment on prison inmates and guards, the deepest level of human connection, uh, the number one problem holding you back, the Into the Wild book, authenticity in speech, and so much more. And that's only a part of like the notes I took. So um, the gift of bombing, the gift of failing. So there's a lot of really important concepts in this episode. I know that you're going to enjoy it. Um, they've actually put together a little uh, a package for the listeners. So if you go to ultraspeaking.com forward slash Matt, um, they give you, I think it's like five tips on public speaking and confidence. You can go check that out. Um, but it was interesting. I got it. And uh, I really like where they're coming from because it's a lot more than public speaking. It is really about the art of self-confidence, self-expression, um, being okay with yourself and all of that stuff that comes with public speaking because it's a terrifying thing. So I know that you're going to like this episode if you do please take screenshots and share them on instagram tag me at matt belair tag my guests um help spread the word it really does help get the word out um if you want to support on patreon that helps a ton too just go to patreon.com forward slash matt belair and i want to thank uh holger shat so much for contributing and making a paypal donation i usually don't get those uh, so i really appreciate that it helps it goes a long way um helps me do the show and feel um supported by you guys so thank you so much uh go over to mattbelair.com sign up for the email list there's a free lucid dreaming if you go forward slash lucid dreaming um but the best thing that you can do is three acts of kindness today or at least one act of kindness today let's make the kindness challenge go viral or kindness in general and that's just three kind acts a day going out of your way to do it and do that for a week um and once you've done it write me about it let me know how it went and um and then tell your friends and encourage three other people to do it that would be an incredible thing of uh you know, a hundred or a thousand of us could do three kind acts, what kind of a ripple effect we'd make, you know, spirituality and kindness does require action. So I invite you guys to take that. For those of you guys who want to dive deeper and want to learn some of this stuff on personal development, peak performance, coaching, um, spirituality, uncovering your life purpose, all overcoming limitations, all that kind of stuff. You can go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. And I am taking a few new clients this year and I'm happy to help you accelerate your growth, your learning, uh, your vision, help uncover it, overcome blocks, all that kind of stuff. So just go to the form there, fill it out, and I'll be happy to help you out. Um, I want to thank my new partner, 
Himalaya podcast app. They're amazing. They've been very supportive since the beginning. Um, they're an incredible podcast app. It's free. It's easy to use. Um, when you get over there, make sure that you follow the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. But it helps build podcast community, suggested playlists, lets you make your own playlist. Uh, they take feedback to improve the app. So um, check them out over there. Check out the show and uh, let me know what you think. So that about wraps it up. Let's get into today's episode. But before we do, let's come into a powerful state of peace and coherence. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just set the intention to come to total peace and coherence. Let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Feeling totally calm, peaceful, and present and ready to get into today's incredible show. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today, we have two amazing guests for you. The first, Michael Gendler, was named one of the Bay Area's brightest students. Four years later, he graduated from UCLA with a bachelor's in computer science and has since worked as a software engineer at Symantec and a project manager at Hulu. In 2015, Michael began studying public speaking to help overcome his own anxiety and self-consciousness. Two years later, he coached Kristen DiMontebello to reach the finals of the World Championship of Public Speaking. Three months later, he quit his job and together with Tristan, founded Ultra Speaking to help learn tools to express themselves with more confidence and authenticity. Although our next guest, Tristan DiMontebello, earned a Master in Computer Science in France, he has founded several successful businesses that are not in computer science at all. After, comp- after his companies were up and running, Tristan was itching to take on a new project. He chose public speaking, and with the help of Michael, became the fastest competitor to make it to the finals of the World Championship of Public Speaking. Together, they host Public Speaking Masterclass, conduct private coaching, and teach public speaking classes for low-income high school students. They have discovered a way to make public speaking fun for anyone and decided to share this mission with as many as possible. Welcome to the show, Tristan DeMontebello and Michael Gendler. <laughs> I love Thank it. You, Matt. Thank What's you. up, fellas? Well, judging by me butchering that intro, I think I'm, I'm your, your perfect client. I like trying to read it. I, I was so un, uh, like thinking about it the whole time, too. So I was like, oh, man, that was, that was like, I'm so glad I was able to do that. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're stoked to be here. Yeah, so we had a little chat at the beginning. One of the things that I said that I loved about your bio um, that made me want to have you on the show was the fact that you're you're going into underprivileged high schools, um, talking to youth about this stuff, and the like. Let's say the intention behind it, because you got into public speaking, it's terrifying. You're overcoming like self-consciousness, all this kind of stuff. You know, even with the podcast, one of the things like, you know, I messed up another intro. I tell people all the time, like, I just try to show up and do my best, you know, and sometimes I mess it up. Sometimes it goes great, um, but I'm still trying to show up and, and be present and do my best. So you guys both have really interesting backgrounds and, and both in computer science, business savvy. So Give me a little bit of background on how you guys got to where you are today and why you chose this over some sort of traditional business route with, with you know, being in, I guess, one of you is like near Silicon Valley. You can kind of do whatever you want with those degrees. You would think we'd be a, a high growth tech startup combining <laughs> yeah. with our forces. Um, I don't think we chose this route, to be completely honest. I think 
for both Tristan and for me, public speaking was destiny, if you can put it, at least for me. So I had that whole tech background and I was definitely the guy that good grades, good school, good job was the focus that that was my upbringing. And what wasn't in the stars was to have a good job. You also have to present yourself where, uh, well, maintain confidence, maintain a good image. And I noticed everyone around me in a leadership position seemed to have this like ease when they were speaking. And for me, it was like, uh, like the ship is sinking. Like every time I'm just trying to stay above water and not drown. I didn't really choose public speaking as a solution to that. I actually decided to quit my job and I drafted my letter of resignation and I told my manager that, you know, I can't, I'm not cut out for leadership. And I, I think a lot of people can resonate with this because we, we see it all the time now this sense of, I don't belong here. And it was just my dad actually, who in his very uh, immigrant mindset said, no way you're quitting a, a good job. You're staying there, but you gotta, you gotta solve the problem. Don't run away from it. And so I was Googling around like how to be more confident, how to communicate better. And I, I happened to stumble on Toastmasters, which is a public speaking, meet up a place where you can practice your skills. And I just, I kept going. I just showed up once and I never stopped. And two years later, I meet Tristan, who is on his own public speaking journey. And by that point, I mean, I, I can dive into it a little bit later, but everything in my life changed from learning to speak in public. Everything, new job, new salary. I started a new relationship. I gained the confidence to eventually quit my job and become self-employed. I believe public speaking is, it's not the only avenue towards freedom, but it was my avenue. And more than anything, I can talk for hours about it because that one skill is a, it's a life skill and it just happens to seep into everything that I do now. And so I don't know if you can tell, but I, I just get riled up because it, it changed my life and I'm such a strong believer in it. Yeah, my, my, my story is very different, but, but I resonate very deeply with what, what Michael says. And even I, I can sense that I'm feeling a lot right now, just being in this environment where the focus is authenticity and we're, we're having that very clearly as an intention, the three of us here with this conversation. Sometimes if you tell a story a few too many times, you can disconnect from it. And right now I feel very connected to, to Michael's story and, and even to my story. When I think back, I used to, I, I would turn just beat red if anybody would call of me in class and I just hate, I wanted to hide. I wanted to be invisible. I, I just hated it. But some, somehow I overcame that. I don't know. I mean, I don't think I necessarily overcame it, but something switched little by little. I was able to get away from that and it started happening less and less. And 
but I was, I was nothing special. I wasn't a great speaker. I liked speaking. I liked when I was with my friends and I was in a situation and environment where I felt comfortable. I had a blast speaking and even sometimes being in the spotlight, but I was just an average, an average guy. And when I think back to most of my speaking experiences being interviewed or, and there's one on, on Google of me getting interviewed in one of my first companies and, ah, it just makes me feel, (laughs) it makes me feel terrible watching that. But one side, my most recent company, um, was more of a solo journey. I was already transitioning into wanting to do something where every time I made a dollar, someone's life was being positively impacted. And I started focusing on one of my passions, one of the driving forces in my life, which was learning, learning how to learn and learning how to learn new skills fast. And one of my other passions was music. And I I play guitar and sing and I, and it had such a powerful impact on me that I created a, a course, an online course on teaching people how to learn guitar in three months. But as soon as that was set up and in place, I realized I don't want to be the guitar guy. That's not, that's not me. That's just one tool. And I was looking to take on a project and apply my methodology in a public setting. And it's one of my friends who recommended public speaking. I was going to choose piano. And one of my friends said, no, no, don't, that's stupid. Don't choose piano. Uh, not because piano is bad, but I was thinking from a, a business mindset. I'm thinking, well, I did guitar. Let me learn piano. I've always wanted to learn piano and I'm going to be able to create a course for beginners on piano. And he's thinking, he just told me, you're thinking completely wrong. You need a, you need to choose a skill that's going to change your life. And public speaking is one of those skills. It's a meta skill. The better you get at this, the more comfortable you feel speaking under pressure. And I don't like the term public speaking, but it's, it's really speaking under pressure. This is public speaking. Public speaking is talking to a girl at a bar if that's what terrifies you. But those skills, the better you get at it, the, it just seeps in everything else in your life. And so I took that on and I met Michael because I showed up at a Toastmasters meeting to start my project of speaking in public. And I saw Michael speak. I was blown away. I went to him at the end. I said, hey, can you help me out? I'm taking on this project and I need, and you're just phenomenal. I want to learn from you. It was as simple as that. And I was really lucky that Michael had, because his life had been changed through Toastmasters, he had committed to giving back and he was committed to teaching, to helping three people. He had three slots that he was taking on, like in the morning and well, only in the morning, I think. Uh, in addition to his job. And he said, well, I have one left. Let's do it. And yeah, he had no idea what that would turn into (laughs) because I discovered that there's the world championship of public speaking. That's a thing. And there are 30,000 people in the world competing from 140 countries. And it turned out to be just perfect for my learning project. It's public. It's very clear if I'm doing well or not, either I win or I lose each step of the competition. It's sudden death. And it's gonna add like incredible pressure and accountability. So I jumped into that and it turned into one of the craziest, most intense projects of my life. I had no idea what I was getting into because thanks in large part to Michael, especially in the beginning, 
I won stage one and then I won stage two and then stage three. And before I knew it, I'm at the regionals and I win the regionals against a guy who made it to the finals the previous year. And I'm freaking out and I'm learning a lot throughout this process, but it hadn't changed my life yet. I still didn't feel like a great public speaker by any means. And then the second phase appeared and the second phase I had three months to prep to create a new speech, but this speech was going to be the speech that I'm going to give on the semi-final or final stage. And I have to beat the best speakers in the world and I have a blank sheet of paper and, and it was hard. It was really hard. And it, it, it took going to Toastmaster clubs over and over day in and day out improvising speeches with me being the only person in the room knowing that I'm improvising. Everybody thinks that, you know, I'm the regional winner who's about to go to the finals and the semifinals and is going to test his speech out on us. And I'm actually improvising and testing out an idea that Michael and I brainstormed in the morning using the comedians approach, you know, how they build specials. They'll go in these small, comedy clubs and they'll test out ideas and see what works, what doesn't. And then little by little, they have five minutes of content, six, seven, eight to a special. And I went through that and that meant overcoming every one of the worst fears I had, the fear of blanking, the fear of being unprepared, the fear of, um, you know, losing my train of thought and not knowing how to recover and just having to be confident even when I wasn't was huge. That's what, that's when everything changed for me. And we made it to the, to the finals of the world championships and, and then the journey, the journey changed everything. It, I didn't even know what I needed, what I wanted, what I was searching for, or that anything needed to be changed in my life. But man, do I thank that friend who said, Choose a skill that's going to change your life because on a very deep level, it changed almost everything. And then it led to discovering this mission and just having this urge to, to share this with the world and to help everybody. And the first thing that came to mind was, man, if I had this when I was 18 years old, if somebody had taught me what I know now, if I could feel the way I feel and not just terrified and, you know, having nothing to hold on to, it would have changed everything. And I think that's why, that's why we'll never stop working with people who wouldn't have access to this if it weren't for, you know, just because they were brought up in the wrong place or their parents don't have the enough income or whatever it is. I think it's just, it's something that we feel it's changed us so much that we, we, we almost feel obligated to, to give back in that way. That's beautiful fellas. <laughs> you know, you, you guys both shared um, your personal accounts of this. And one of the underlying things that I'm seeing here is like a okay, one, yeah, it transformed you. Um, but two, there's an element of giving back also facing your fears and then being able to face them and then and develop the confidence. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of different ways that we can go with this. Um, but I think that just, just recognizing that, you know, 
in your own process, like you're looking at something that's terrifying you, you're building up the skills, you're going through the process and in that is the learning. So I guess what I'm immediately curious about is like, you know, now being on the other side and you see your, your younger self and that's how I felt with um, studying the, you know, mindset stuff that I did with sports psychology and self-hypnosis and learning about the world. And it was to build up my own confidence because I was afraid of everything too. One of the things I'm currently working on is I'm afraid of the dark. Now, not like regular darkness, like proper in the forest, you know, like, you know, scary. darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Scary darkness. So I'm literally running in the dark now. And it's terrifying and I'm getting less and less terrified of it. Um, not always terrified, but it's very interesting. So it's like facing it in my own way. Um, but when you're talking about how you would, what you would empower the younger self with, like, what are you trying to empower? Like, what is different now? What are some of the things that you've learned along the way? For me, it's kind of, it's funny because I think Tristan and I both went on a journey where we learned different skills. And I mean, everyone starts off with reading, like here are the five tips, right? Here's the things you do with your hands. Here's how we, what you use your facial expression. We all want the quick fix. And I think I went that road myself. I wanted to know what are short ways to become more confident? What are shortcuts to becoming a better speaker? But all roads for me led back to, to the one truth. And for me, that truth was self-expression comes from expressing yourself. Great public speakers, great communicators are the ones who can share themselves with others. And that the actual barrier to confidence, the barrier to public speaking is the fear of revealing yourself. We believe public speaking is the fear of being seen. And so most of us put up facades. We act professional. We say what we think should be said. We use gestures. We do what we think we should be doing, but we're not, we're not taking the risk of revealing ourselves and all the imperfections and the quirks of our personality. And so I had to go on this journey to learn all of the, the, the tricks, to learn all of the shortcuts. But it brought me back to the main philosophies of public speaking, which are be conversational, be authentic, be honest, and take a risk. Take a risk in expressing parts of you that, may not feel comfortable. And, and I think that's what vulnerability is. And so if I could go back in time and talk to my younger self, I would do it not to arm him with communication techniques. I wouldn't do it because his career is going to be better and he's going to, I would do it because that younger me had so much self con so much self consciousness so uncomfortable being in his own skin that life sucked. And I believe that the more comfortable we are with being in our skin, the more comfortable we can be with the way we speak, the better speakers we are, but more importantly, the more fulfilling life that we will have on a moment to moment basis. 
I totally agree with that. And um, <clears throat> Tristan, I want to hear your thoughts as well. But what I want to add to that is, um, you know, like, okay, so yes, I think that most youth today, they, you know, and I growing up, same thing, we, we have like, uh, we're uncomfortable in our own skin, we're not confident. Right. And I think that's getting through and doing like that. On top of that, now today's kids have social media that gets to compound that to just affirm that you only have this many friends, this many likes when something happens that can linger on a friggin' platform forever. So it's worse for them, I think. Um, but then I, I want to touch on kind of like what you said about um, the fear of public speaking before, like you're going up and you need to be perfect and you have this idea of yourself. And as adults, we wear these. Um, suits and we have these different things. And for me, I find it hilarious because, you know, I let that go a long time ago. Like it, it flares up, you know what I mean? But like, this is the car I drive. This is the suit. This is what I do. And it's just like layer upon layer of just like, Hey man, like, you know, if you're, if you're like, I don't know, something happens to you and your leg is like broken and it's gouging through your leg, you're going to become a human real quick or something serious happens. You're going to, uh, become human real quick. And my friend Kyle was actually telling me about, uh, you know, that show hot ones. And um, I was watching Hot Ones with him. It's basically a show where celebrities go on and they eat ridiculous hot sauce, um, like the hottest, crazy oh, yeah. sauce. And he goes, and we, we were watching, I've, I've seen clips here and there, but he brought up the idea. He's like, the reason why I love this show is because it makes them so authentic because there gets to a point in the pain, right? Mm -hmm. It goes beyond who they, their idea of them as a musician or an actor, or whatever, because they all of a sudden go into survival mode. So they can't even worry about like the identity of themselves or what they're wearing or how they're portraying themselves because they're, they're all of a sudden in another mode of consciousness. And this is what you're speaking about. I think is a level of vulnerability to not only express that authentic version of you and do it in the world freely. Cause that is a terrifying, um, idea for most people so maybe you can i just wanted to feed that back because i think adults have the same thing and if we could have this that level of just peace in our own skin and also like the forgiveness and idea that doesn't always have to be perfect like you know butchering the intro again it's like because i was going through it i was like oh shit i was like i don't have it all laid out well but it's just accepting that as a part of like imperfection it's okay do your best um but you know what i mean you got to be okay with failure and the imperfections and the things that aren't great like standing up in front of people and just bombing because you didn't you didn't think it through it's like the most terrifying idea so that's that's what i want to say and i want to give it back to you guys to share your, your ideas on that i i resonate very very deeply with that matt it, on every level and i, I really think at it at its core you know we talked about this a little bit beforehand the we we call this a disease but this disease of having the the urge to act professional the urge to dress a certain way that the be a certain way speak a certain way have a certain car and you just have to fit in so many determined boxes and that's the true enemy of public speaking and i think in in general it, it carries on to life but if you believe that there is one right answer to anything, you're doomed. This works, it's the same thing in life, but it's, it's so true in public speaking. And I'm gonna use the image of a girl at a bar, but me going to a girl at a bar, like seeing someone over there that I wanna to talk to, and this, this has even happened at conferences, I remember in my first company, someone I really, really, I desperately wanted to talk to. 
for months. And then I show up at this conference and he's standing at the entrance, actually in front of the door, talking to nobody, the, my dream person to speak with. I couldn't believe it. And you know what I did? I pulled out my phone and I faked that I was on a phone call. <laughs> and I just like walked back and forth in front of him, faking to be on a phone call, inventing a fake conversation. All the while trying to convince myself that like, go talk to this dude. It's okay. But what kept going into my brain is what should I tell him? What's the right thing to say? What if I say this? What if he asks me this? Who am I to even go talk to him in the first place? And there were so many things that I'm trying to check. I didn't even walk into that conference. I ended up hanging up the phone, pretending there was an emergency on my phone call, <laughs> hanging up and leaving. I didn't even walk into the freaking conference. And I will remember that story to my deathbed. And I think we, we, to a certain extent, we all have a story like that, right? Of this opportunity, this moment where we wanted to speak up and we didn't. And at its core, this ties back into what I'd, I'd love to be able to teach my younger self or what we're bringing into the younger generations. But it doesn't even, we, we're working with the founder of a very large company right now who's almost 60 years old. And he has a debilitating fear of speaking. It's, it's destroying his life and he's 60. That means he's lived at least 40 years with that pain. And in large part, it comes from this belief that there is a way things should be done. There is a right way to do something and there is a wrong way to do something. And when you do that, it's paralyzing. So the foundation of our work is the opposite of what a lot of public speaking coaches are doing, which is working on the outside. A lot of our work is changing your energy. One exercise we do that I love, it's called the conductor. And I'll ask you a question and then I'll be in front of you with my arm raised out horizontally. And that's a five out of 10. And you have to follow my energy bar without a question. So you start speaking and I can ask you, hey, what do you love about your job? And you're going to start saying, oh, well, I love that I can do this and that. And then I'm going up and you're like, and that's so amazing. And when I think of that, and then I come down. You have to whisper. You silence. And man, when we do that kind of an exercise, every single time, the person on the other end becomes a different human being. It's almost unbelievable to watch. They'll have answered a question. We'll ask them the same exact question and we'll vary the intensity. The crazy thing is I don't care what you're saying. I'm not going to be nice to you. I'm not, if you're going to something dramatic and I'm going to build up, no, no, no. You're going to be talking about, anything you know the name of your dog and suddenly i go to a nine and you have to yell but when you yell you can't just yell the name you have to access in you something that makes you feel like a nine and when i bring it down suddenly whew, suddenly there's silence and, and we're calm and you have to access in you something more deep something more genuine and as we go through this exercise 
And then we ask the audience, how did that feel? Everybody's mind is blown because it, they think I didn't, I didn't even know, I've never seen that person express themselves that way. It felt so much more raw, so much more real. And the crazy thing from the person experiencing it is that they realize, wow, I, I realized that I was giving, I was accessing completely different content. And I think that's what it's all about. So if I could go back and help my younger self, I want him to experience that. I'd want him to experience this feeling of what it feels like to be completely unleashed, what it feels like to go way beyond your range and then come back like an elastic band that you've pulled a little too hard and now it's, it has a new range. Because with that comes the, and from a very experiential standpoint, it comes the, the belief that you can answer anything in, under any circumstance, that any question coming to me, there's no, there's, there is never a right answer anymore. But it's always going to trigger something in my mind. And I'm just going to grab that and pull on that thread. And as I pull on that thread, something's going to appear. And if I follow that with the right energy and with the right intention, naturally, just as a side effect, you're not using the same filler words. Your hands and body are acting differently. You're sharing different content and you're more interested. You're feeling more and your audience is more interested and definitely feeling more. That's awesome, man. I love that example. Uh, it makes me think about this thing that I discovered at Burning Man once, what I call uh, manifestation dancing. And it's the idea that, you know, we go into visualizations and things like that for what we want to create in our life or whatever we want to be. And I was like, well, what if you already had it? So, and then dance as if it's already there. And so use your body as this expression. And the idea is kind of like the way that I see the mind and body is we kind of get programmed, like you said, in boxes that there's these certain things that we're going to do and we run patterns and, you know, we have, we have all these patterns and all of a sudden those patterns, they, they basically get more uh, entrained, like the train tracks, you know, at first you're driving like an all-terrain vehicle, you can go wherever you want. Then all of a sudden, you know, you get into like a car and then all of a sudden you get into like a train and you're on tracks and that's just the way it is. It's how you act. This is the range that you have. And you're talking about going beyond that, which I think is really important. Um, and just it's a simple exercise, but I can really see that the value in that, uh, my cousin, he does improv and he said, you know, that he's like that alone. If you, if you ever want to, um, you know, overcome like an improved self-confidence and all that, just do improv because it's, it just forces you out of whatever this condition you have. And you can kind of take that wherever you want. So I definitely see the value in that. I just wanted to see if, um, Michael, you wanted to add on to that. Well, the thing that comes up for me, uh, I, I've said this a lot. I love the example of an angry parent. When a, when a parent gets angry at a kid, uh, at their kid, hopefully not someone else's kid, but when, when a parent gets angry, they explode, right? Like I remember my dad was a stickler for, for clean house, clean life. Right. And when my room is messy, like he just, he 
exploded in the in this tirade, right? And he he actually put a Tupperware over my doorknob so that I no longer had access to my room. That's my punishment. But like he knew what to do in the moment not just as a punishment, but like he just had to let loose his, and it stuck. Okay, Matt, my room has always been clean <laughs> my entire life. And what, what stands out to me about angry parents is, is that the words, the hand gestures, all of the expression just flows naturally. There's never a parent that's going, okay, uh, what do I do with my hand gestures as I'm punishing my kid? No, it just, it flows out of you because your emotion carries you and everything is in tune. We all know what an angry parent looks like expressively. We all can visualize that. So it's kind of backwards to me when people ask, like, what do I do with my hands when I speak? How do I use my tone of voice to be more interesting? Well, it's not about, it's about get carried away with your emotions. Let your emotions be the guide. And as Tristan is saying, let energy or intensity or even just your body be the guide to, to your content. And once, once you have something guiding you that is more visceral, like a strong emotion, everything else follows. The filler words go down the hand gestures fall into place. Like the body and the mind know how to speak. But when we get lost in our thoughts and self-conscious and we're not really present with what we're saying, we're thinking about thinking, everything goes into chaos. We're trying to manage so much consciously. And so we lose flow. And so what this all brings up for me is, is this idea around how important it is to feel something, to connect with something deep before we start speaking. Because that force, whether it's an emotion or an intention, that force will guide you so powerfully that everything else around your communication will follow. And it's the quickest way to enter flow. And it's the quickest way to communicate your feelings and your thoughts to the person in front of you. Hmm. Just processing all this. Cause it's, it's, there's like, there's so many avenues that my mind is going with this, but one of the things that I, I really liked, and I think that's important to kind of draw on a little bit is I think it was Tristan that you're talking about like the going back, like the ability to be authentically you or like just like fully and be fully unleashed. And uh, I have like a little joke with my sister where it's just like going full power, you know? And so we're so conditioned not to really just like, you know, go full power in any way. And the thing is, you know, people might think that doing it in at the grocery store or how you communicate with your server or how you interact with the people you work with, like that doesn't count. It definitely counts because that's going to be the building block to go full power in your life. Like what is the full power expression of you? And the way that I see humans, I see them as like, let's say powerful dolphins, but in the world that we're in, everybody's choosing to be a goldfish. And it is, there's, and I've studied a lot of the reasons why that is, and there's definitely factors for that, but it does not mean that you are not a dolphin to begin with. You can literally leave that school of fish and jump out of the freaking water. 
um, but it's going to be done on your own accord and it's going to be pushing and pushing and pushing boundaries, but it's not even like pushing a physical object. It's this mental barrier, which when you're in it seems impassable. You know, it's like the heaviest and it's in your mind and it's in your feeling and it's in your guts, you know, because you, you're, you're worthless. You have no value. Do this right. And if you don't do it right, then everything is terrible. And what if you lose everything? And what if you make a wrong choice? And what if people tell you you're stupid? And all these different things that are all in the mind. And so it can feel like it's impossible to, to overcome. And, and, and I think that like just getting to the point of like, if we're going to be talking about public speaking, it's being authentically you, but being authentically you in each and every day. Um, I think that the skills definitely carry over. And, um, you know, I don't know if you guys have a particular direction for this, but it would just be, you know, your recommendation. If people are terrified of, of public speaking, like what would you offer them? Because I think that's a high percentage of people out there. And then just like a tip or two for like, how do we, you touched on it, how do we get comfortable in our own skin? I'm, I'm 34 some, and I have a beard and I know martial arts and some little wiener from somewhere will call me like a douche on YouTube and it'll bug me. You know what I mean? And I'll go into my own self-worth stuff. And I was like, I have 200 episodes on, on why you build up your self-worth and how you be confident. I'm sitting here <laughs> cursing this probably 12 year old kid eating Cheetos talking smack. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. So um, I think that it's just a common thing that we're working through. And I would just love to hear your advice on that. I love the question. I, the first thing that comes to mind that I really want to insist on is that public speaking is not standing on a stage speaking in front of an audience. We were working with a company where uh, the CEO was bringing us in to work with their team and we were going through this pre-call with him. And at the end he said, so yeah, so don't talk about public speaking. Let's talk about, uh, I'm more interested in the effective communication and how they can speak up better. And it was funny when we hung up the phone because I get so not mad, but I, it, it does piss me off a little bit that <laughs> what public speaking is seen as right. Cause I agree with you 100% how you interact with the waiter and the mailman, the, you know, I have, I have small kids, how I interact with the parents when I'm dropping my kids off, how I interact with the teachers, how even your Uber driver, even though that's a dangerous route to go, how did you start Uber? <laughs> but you can't become comfortable speaking if you're not speaking. You can't be authentic in the most important moment of your life, if you're not authentic in the small moments. And it's, it's, it seems simple, but it's, it's harder than it looks because you have to carry that intention all the time. And sometimes it's scary to be real. And sometimes it's scary to speak when you're not very comfortable. But as you're saying, we, you know, if, if dolphins is the analogy, we all, are dolphins you you everybody has that in them and it's hard from out here to speak to whoever's listening right now that's thinking i need help with this if i don't know what you're going through very specifically it's hard for me to 
lead you to the light. But there is no way around the fact that you have to speak. We have this saying, we speak more fearless. Speak more fearless. If, if speaking is scary, which it is for a lot of people, step one, speak more. Speak to the waiter. Speak to anybody. Just make sure that that muscle is getting used. Because you do martial arts, I do too. If, if you were to stop now and not train for a year, man, you're going to be rusty. If you, when you go back, it's going to be hard. It's going to take a while to get back. This is something that has to be oiled. You have to be putting yourself in those situations. And the magic is that even though when this is a fear, it seems as though there is no point in doing it because it's scary. Why would I do something that I do not enjoy? Speak more fearless for someone who has speaking anxiety seems like the worst possible advice. But on the other side of speaking is joy, is freedom. Michael and I like to think about the ability to speak freely under pressure as an analogy with self-defense. And everybody knows what it feels like to walk down the street and see someone who doesn't make you feel comfortable and suddenly feel extraordinarily vulnerable. That's what everybody, every single person who is scared of speaking under pressure, that's what everybody feels. That's what we all feel. But there are a few people who trained martial arts, who've trained to a point where they feel comfortable walking down the street. And even if there's something happening and they feel a little surge of energy, of nervousness, of adrenaline, of something, it's not a, it's not a panic anymore. It's not this terrifying fear of if something happens, I will not know what to do and I will most likely, you know, go through something terrible. With speaking, it's the same thing. When you, when you can get to conquer this, it's as if you now were able to walk around the world with a black belt or, a, you know, you have this feeling of walking into a room with a lot of people you don't know and not feeling completely vulnerable, like a gazelle stumbling into a pride of lions. Sometimes I get frustrated that I can't teach this online, that I can't just share the perfect wisdom and change everybody's life. But yeah, if you have access to improv, for me, that had a huge impact. I took improv classes during the world championship uh, to help me out with this part of it. And it made a tremendous impact on how I felt. And then you just, you got to start, got to speak to get better speaking. What, what's coming up for me, Matt, is um, I'm really scared of, of taking a martial art. Actually, Tristan is, uh, he's about a year into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm the guy that walks on the street and if he sees someone that's 
a little shady, I'm the guy that feels like, is this going to be the moment that, that I get robbed or mugged or, you know, I get fear. I want to be the guy on the other side that says, I want to come out on the other side that's saying I can hold my own. You know, if I'm walking on the street, I'm going to be okay. I want to have that knowledge of self-defense, but even that want has not been strong enough to pull me into a Brazilian jujitsu class. Because every time that I think about it, I just picture a 300 pound guy triangle choking me and just the pain associated with that. I'm also picturing myself going to the class and, and just this incredible, I don't belong here. Everyone here is, is trained at some level and here I am like insulting their practice time because every time they even come close to my neck, I'm just gonna tap out and go, please don't, please, just gonna fetal position. <laughs> I can relate to anyone that is thinking this whole time, like, yeah, I get that it's, that public speaking and communication can be so freeing. I wanna learn to self-defense, but like, you don't understand it's too scary to start. I should go to a class, but it's too scary. Like I should go and improve, but it's, it just isn't gonna work for me. And that's my journey with martial arts. And like any fear, to overcome the fear, there's many approaches, but the approach that has worked best for me is the tiniest form of exposure therapy. So one day Tristan takes out his gi, he has an extra gi and we put it on and we're in his living room on the carpet and he moves the table and there's a couch there and he just says, all right, like, try and choke me, do whatever you want and I'm just going to defend. And so me being in the upper hand, pinky swearing that he's not going to just surprise triangle (laughs) choke me, right? Okay, I can at least understand what it's like to fight. And then we do it again. And then we do it again. And this time he says, okay, but now I'm going to defend a little bit. And so then we do it again. And this time he says, okay, now you're going to defend and I'm going to go to three. And slowly I'm just getting a taste of what it's like to learn this skill. And there are times where I'm in a choke. There are times where I feel uncomfortable, but the pressure is so low. The environment is so safe that I'm okay with it. And I think that's the beauty of this art of public speaking, that it really isn't walking on stage and being in front of an audience, that it's every part of your life. So the one thing you can be sure of is it's gonna be scary. There are going to be risks that you're gonna have to take in order to express yourself authentically, but you have control over where you take those risks. For me, I find myself at the checkout line a lot. What's a small risk I can take? What's a compliment that I could say that would feel scary? If it feels uncomfortable, it's probably the right risk. If I'm at work, what's a question I could ask that would just get me to speak in a moment where I probably wouldn't say anything? The culmination of these small risks that we do in our day-to-day, whether it's at work, with a waiter at a checkout line or even in your relationship and you just say something that feels uncomfortable that you know is a small risk for you, those little victories of just getting it out there, they 
they compound. And pretty soon you might have the courage to go to a public speaking class or go to a jujitsu class for me, right? So I, I know that all of this can be ephemeral and the reality is speaking is one of the scariest fears in our country, maybe, maybe in the world. And just like any fear, there are ways where you can take small controlled risks to slowly staircase your way up to the point where you can take a bigger one. And once you set out on that journey and you get a few moments where you, you really surprise yourself, you're like, man, I'm so glad I said that. It's, it's a snowball. You start building momentum and pretty soon you become comfortable with things that six months ago you thought, man, there's no way I would have survived that. And eventually public speaking is just something you're comfortable with. I loved all that, boys. You know, there's a lot of things that came up for me there, but the main thing that I'm kind of thinking about that comes back to is like uh, Buddhism. And um, I think it's the eightfold path. It's, uh, it's really simple. It's right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right, con right concentration, right mindfulness. And one of those in there is right speech. And I think that, you know, just being able to speak authentically, like you, you had said something earlier, Tristan, about like saying the right thing, like, <clears throat> what is the right thing? Like, I know a lot about snowboarding and I could say the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Like, I know, I know more than most on the planet about that. Now, I know a lot about podcasting. I could say the wrong thing. But we have this identity in ourselves to know the answer, whatever the case is. And so then that's that, that ego side or that created side that, oh, my goodness, what if this identity gets it wrong? Rather than just speak, like, there should be no pressure really about anyone who asks you anything. You know, if it's a personal question, be like, that's too personal, man. Get out of here. And I was like, I, what about, I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know this is my experience. Let me share that with you. And it's coming back to this like authenticity, vulnerability um, to share. And um, it's interesting because most people aren't even like that. Like I have a, a two, I have very blessed to have really great childhood friends and a really great high school experience. Um, and even though I was terrified most of the time, I had great friends. Um, but one of my buddies, had made a comment about something I was going through. And my other friend who I'm good friends with is just like, you talk to him like that. And I was just like, yeah, don't you? I was like, he just was like being honest. Like, well, is there like a layer there? And like, maybe for him, there's this like a little bit of a layer of like, how deep can we go in this honest connection, even in this friendship? Right. And I think that for some people just to break the barrier in public settings, like I'll say hello to people all the time. Um, you know, one of my mentors right now is David Lombear Senapas. He's a Native American elder. And uh, one of the constant things he says is like an act of kindness is asking, asking someone's name. We're so disconnected from each other. We're not even, it's like, get your waiter's name. You know, when you go, you know, the one sense, like to take the martial arts example is like, you got step one, there's a homeless guy on the street who looks sketchy. Well, maybe because I'm no martial arts, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not worried about that. As long as he doesn't look like he's going to stab me. So I'll go, Hey man, how are you today? And I, and he'll be like, good. And he'll look sketchy as crap. And um, I'm like, can you use a buck? Give him a dollar. What's your name? 
get his name and have a conversation. All these scary people are not scary. If they look sketchy, then don't go near them. Don't go around trying to go to sketchy neighborhoods and do sketchy things. But the idea is that like we're fearful of our environment. We're fearful of people because we're not communicating and we're stuck in these things. But when, you know, if someone's going to rob me, that's super easy. You can just have it, you know, there, I don't need to use my martial arts. I can either run if it's dangerous or you can just have it. There's not, there's not a combat. And the same with speaking. You know, it can be a combat or I can seek understanding. Like I'm trying to write this article on the Parliament of World Religions right now. And it's challenging because there are so many different views and I don't want to offend people, but there's history. You know, there's history in what has happened and how do I write that in a certain way? And I'm not trying to share it in a sense of saying this way is right, this way is wrong. There's over 200 different religious faiths and, and, and things there. Just trying to share, look, this is the experience that I'm having you know, to the best of my ability. And I want to seek understanding. If I say something that's offensive, you can share understanding. It's not to attack you, you know? And so if we're communicating in that way, but that's a, ter- that's a terrifying um, prospect for a, lot, for a lot of people. So I really like the idea of just doing a little bit, do what you're comfortable with, because we can kind of like, you know, make that small room get cl- smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. You know, and if you can just do the tiniest thing that moves you in that direction or ask for help for somebody, you know, who might know, like taking that little step with the jujitsu, right? But that's your own mental battle. Because if you, you know, if you were near me, like, bro, let's go to class. Like, that's not what it's about. It's about, you know, in skateboarding, that's why I love skateboarding because the, the worst person there will finally get like an ollie or do the most basic trick and the best in the whole skate park will just like cheer usually if they're paying attention, which is most of the time. Like, that's amazing. Like, it's great that you suck. We're stoked that you're skating. Same with good martial arts. That's why I'm not a big, like, I love MMA and it pisses me off because they've, they've taken out all of this, like, like that tradition, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu still very much has it. And it's about making you a better person, encouraging your teammates, helping them, inspiring them, becoming the best version of yourself. That's what it's about. It's not going to an MMA gym and seeing who can beat the crap out of each other and who's the toughest guy. That's missing the whole entire point, you know? And so what if we could interact that way in life with everybody for everything? And it would be a beautiful way. And so martial arts, um, lays a foundation for that. And what I see with you guys is public speaking can lay a foundation for that. You know, it just, it, it's one avenue to step into the power of being comfortable in your own skin to express yourself fully. So that's my rant. It's not a question. You guys want to add Woo! on to that? Uh, <laughs> man, I love it. Come to our, uh, come teach with us. <laughs> I, I mean, this is how we introduce our, when we do group classes, master classes, we, we always introduce it that way. Like wherever you're at in your journey, if you are deeply anxious about speaking or if you are extraordinary at it, you're going to leave here one step further on your journey. And that's all we care about. Every person gets in the hot seat and every person gets more awareness on where they're strong, where they're weak, and what that one thing is that they can start using to take a step forward. And I love it. And I love what you shared about asking someone's name. I, there's actual science around that. You know, the, the Stanford experiment where they put, uh, they took a group of people and divided it into, I think it's Zimbardo, the researcher who did this. 
it's very infamous because they wanted to recreate a prison environment. And so they just randomly create, had half of them become prison guards and half of them become inmates. And it was supposed to last a week. And within two days, they had to stop it because it was, people were breaking down, inmates were crying and going crazy. And the um, prison guards were getting way too violent. It was just getting completely out of hand. Uh, but the first thing they did, first thing they did to dehumanize the inmates was take away their name. First thing they did, a shirt with a number. And he actually did some research later on this. And so that's what something he does too. He'll ask people for their name all the time, go to homeless people, just ask them for their name. He says, that's the biggest gift you can give. Mm. And something Michael and I have been thinking about is how what's happening with all of these new generations, right? I'm, I'm 35. So I'm the same age as you. We're, we're, we're at the edge of the millennials, right? We're the top millennial and then everything under us millennials. Then we have Gen Z X. I don't even know what all the names are, but all of these people that are coming up now that are going to be the future leaders of the world, are entering a world where we are more connected than we've ever been thanks to social media, internet, everything. We can have a conversation. We're having a conversation. I don't even know where you are right now. <laughs> and we're having a live video conversation and it's only going to get more realistic. But at the same time, we as humans have never been more disconnected because of these same tools. And I have two young kids and sometimes it wakes me up at night. What are they, what world are they going to grow up in? How much is it going to hurt when one 12 year old douchebag eating Cheetos, you know, says he he's worthless. What it's hard. It's the cost of speak of speaking over a medium, you know, like social media is nothing because you're not seen. Uh, but it still hurts on the other side. And so, yeah, we want to have we want to we have we want to have a role in helping connect people again and helping yeah, giving people the the right tools and reminding them of what's really important and what's really important in the most the deepest level is just human connection. We're tribal. We 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 are we have to live in communities otherwise we die. Um one thing I think about all the time, it, it almost haunts me. They, it's actually pretty, but people in the neo, newborns in neonative care, the NICO, basically, if a child is born way too early and they're struggling to survive, there's a person whose sole job it is to sit next to the baby and speak to it. Because if you don't speak to it, it lets itself die. When we have human connection, when we have other humans to interact with, we live and we want to live. And I truly believe it's the same thing when we're adults. If we can't speak to people because we're too afraid to speak up, we're, it's going to be tough to live on. It's going to be tough to wake up in the morning. But if you can speak your 
true self, if you can, if you have the tools and you're able to ex fully express yourself, then man, how delicious is life. And just for context, we, we see this in corporate cultures where it's not like people aren't speaking, but they come home at the end of the day and they feel like, like they've acted the entire day. That's what the professional culture of past generations has brought us. And we have to be a certain way in the workplace. And that's where we spend half our lives. So if we're not, if we're not expressing the quirks, if we're not cracking jokes, even though our, our nature is to be funny, if we're polished and, and holding back, then we're going to have, that's going to build up somewhere in your body, that resentment, that suffering of, of man, I just, I haven't been heard by anyone because I haven't expressed myself like the real me, the me and the me behind closed doors. We just really believe that, that the planet on a global scale where people can, it's so cheesy, right? It, it's been said a million times, but like, it's, it's so visceral when people can bring out their best qualities with, with a sense of courage on a global scale, then the ideas that change the world won't be, won't be taken by the best communicators. They'll be taken by the best ideas. That's what we want. We want a world where the person that is leading the world is not the most confident and not the best communicator. That's how it is right now. We want a world where people just talk and they're honest and they express and it's the idea that wins, not necessarily the, the person or the charisma behind it. Yeah, yep, I totally agree. That, uh, you know, that brought up a few things for me. The first thing was the, the Into the Wild book. It's also a movie. And uh, I don't, are you guys familiar with that? It's a really great book. If you, haven't, if you haven't seen the movie or read the book, it's really amazing. And it's just about a guy, you know, giving everything away and figuring out the meaning of life and going deep in the woods and figuring it out. And, um, you know, at the end of it, he's like, he ends up eating some, I don't know, spoiler. This is going to spoil it if you haven't watched it. So close your ears for like 30 it's seconds. It's a true story though. So. Yeah, it's a true story. And, um, you know, he ends up in Alaska and eats some bad berries and he's going to die. And basically he discovers the meaning of life was, you know, to be around his friends. Like that was the values being around community, be being around other people. And, um, so that kind of makes me think about the next kind of stage, which I would say what you guys are offering here is like, you know, authenticity in words. And so it made me think about like, you know, that person who's at the office or going about daily life, they're acting. Some people are consciously aware that they are acting. Some people are unconsciously aware that or they're, they're not even aware they're acting. They, they don't even have awareness that they're, that they're basically adapting to their environment to be safe, to keep their job, to fit in, to get the norm, to not break the mold. So often, actually now a lot of memories are flowing as I'm doing this. So often people are just like, you know, look at me weird or like, why would you do that? Or like, you know, Matt, do this, you know, don't tell me how to act fool. You can like, you know, it pisses me off, you know? And I just looked at them as like, you act however you want to act. It was like, look at this world. It's like Shakespeare is like the whole world's, you know, this a stage. You can act however you want. Ideally act appropriately. It doesn't mean be mean. It just means be free and enjoy your experience. However, you know, you want to have it. So, 
you know, I think that um, to recognize if you are acting, how can you be authentic? And if you can't be authentic in your speech and how you interact at work and how you um, go about your day to the person serving you, if you're not even present and it's, it's like a robot serving you your food, not a human. If the person who's homeless is their life has no value. If um, you go to the gas station, you pass by someone or you're in the elevator, that's a worthless human. You, you, you know, everything's like that. Um, you, if you can't be authentic in your speech, there's no way you can be authentic in your life. And you have every bit the capability to create a life that's authentically inspiring to you. It will be scary. It is not easy, but it is possible and it is your choice. And so I feel like it's a step in that. And if you can, if you can open up that door of just being authentic in your speech, it's going to open up other doors. It's like the dam and, and, and sometimes the religious world, they'll say there's a million ways to the path home to God. And that's kind of like what this article is about is like, who and what is God? 260 religions, not one person there did I see that was like, oh, I'm going to go do this religion because that person definitely knew God. None of them. They just wore certain, certain outfits certain things and it's like this gateway to it but there's also philosophies like confucianism and buddhism and things like that's more an ideology like this is a direction and you can and, and even in religion you can find it there but you could also find it in public speaking in art in any way but there are millions of ways to open up that floodgate and what that really is to me is this authenticity within yourself to be yourself to know that there is this force that is on your side that you can connect with whatever that is. And it doesn't matter how you find it, but the only way you're going to test it is moving with that, you know, is being authentic to yourself first and having the courage to take the first step. But once that dam opens, whether it's speech, communication, art, even a religion, um, you know, anything, then now you've opened up the floodgates for all of this other awareness. Um, like Tristan, you were saying earlier, you didn't even know. You know, you didn't even know what you were in for. You made that first thing, oh my goodness, this was so much more than I could have even possibly anticipated. So I was just going to leave that. And if, if you guys want to add on to that rant, then please go for it. I want to take a second to just feel all of what you just said because it's so good. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's... There are There are tools to to step into that. You know, and I think I mentioned before we, we, we hit record and we started going live that we've started to see ourselves as, as researchers. We're on a project that is much bigger than the two of us. It's much bigger than whatever team we'll be building. This is something we want to leave something behind well beyond our years on this earth that will help whoever has access to it to to take that step that you're talking about because i i think people especially the new generations coming up you know they crave this everybody craves real we were talking to someone who's given a thousand speeches in his life and he was saying, it's so strange. My audience has been changing. And now they're asking me to be more raw, more authentic. And he is polished. He is super, I mean, you give a thousand speeches and everything's perfect on him, just the way he looks and the time. And he's super polished. And he's, but his audience isn't responding to it anymore. 
because there were these generations that were trained to act professional and they you know, this is what it looks like and this is what you're supposed to be, but that's changing. The startups of the world, the, the sharing of information, all of this is allowing us to, to touch this. And I think everybody's craving this more and more people are going to be demanding this of their leaders, demanding this of, of anybody, because we, we're understanding that this is what we need. This is what we need to thrive as, as humans. And yeah, there, regardless of where you are, where you are on, on your journey, there, there are tools. If you don't have access to actual coaches and people who can help you and mentors, then the small things you can do on your day to day, joining an improv class, going to Toastmasters. There are tons, or I think 150,000 clubs in the world. There are places where you're gonna be pushed to answer questions on the spot, pushed to go a little bit beyond your comfort zone. And it's only when we're at the edge that the edge starts to expand. You have to spend time there. I agree. Michael, you want to add on? Yeah, the whole conversation, I've been having this feeling, empathizing with that one person who's like, man, just give me something. <laughs> like, tell me what, I get it, but Give me, me something practical. Yeah, give me something practical. Um, and so I just, I empathize with that because we found that the, that the practical things they don't solve the root as much. Um, but what we've noticed from most of our clients is that the number one symptom, the number one problem that's holding them back whenever they're speaking under pressure, whether in a meeting, in a leadership position, give, giving a speech, whatever it is, the reason that they are all in a sense, holding themselves back or doing worse than they could be is because they are resisting the nervous symptoms that they're feeling. There's like this weird unspoken agreement that we shouldn't talk about how nervous we feel, that we shouldn't feel nervous. And so when we do feel it, most of our brains say something's wrong. It's like a signal of, uh-oh. And so the clients that struggle the most are the ones who don't expect nervousness. So it catches them by surprise every time, even though it's happened hundreds of times. Or they expect nervousness and they resist it. They believe it's a bad thing, even though pressure is what makes the great of the great pressure is what heightens all of the senses. So I just want to speak to the one, the one person who has been just frustrated the entire podcast because there's nothing practical there. This might not seem practical, but if you're resisting nervousness, if you aren't expecting it, if you still think that it's a bad thing, 
then it's important to do a little bit of research around the similarities of nervousness and excitement about the physiological symptoms of nervousness and why they're there and why that's a good thing. And the most common reason that people feel terrible before speaking, that people react so negatively to nervousness is because the sensations in the body lead to negative thought patterns, negative self-talk. The most positive self-talk that we've heard is limited at, I hope this goes okay. Right? Who's going to set themselves up for success if they're thinking, I hope this goes okay. Or worse, I hope I survive this. I hope I don't embarrass myself. Right? Tony Robbins goes up on stage in front of thousands of people, jumps on a trampoline, gets his physiology to the state of nervousness slash excitement that he wants. And then he says an incantation that says, you know, God, give me the courage, the strength, the willpower, the everything I need in this moment to serve. I mean, that's someone who is priming himself to go speak under pressure. And most of our physiology under pressure is the opposite. We, we slouch, we kind of take our shoulders in, we look down, we're rehearsing our lines, we have negative self-talk. We're literally setting ourselves up for failure because the patterns in our mind and body are off. So we believe in, in pregame rituals, like in sports, but in, in speaking as well. What you tell yourself, how your body is expressing itself, power posing, there's research on that as well. What you do with your mind and body matters. And it's the quickest shift to how you feel on stage. But remember, the nervousness is not going to go away. The nervousness is going to be there. What changes for great speakers, for the clients that go come in with Xanax and come out feeling comfortable, what changes is their relationship with nervousness. And that starts the self-talk that we have in our mind. I think you you brought up a really good point there. Um, you know, you, um, Tristan, you talked about this earlier a little bit about like pushing the edges, right? You have to push, you have to apply pressure to the edges, you know, as in snowboarding or skateboarding or extreme sports or any development for you to learn, there's going to be a leap. So if I can do a, you know, a 360, I want to do a 540. If I could do a 540, I want to do a 720. Whatever the case is, there's always expansion or maybe it's the size, but there is a level of nervousness and it is uncomfortable. And I think what martial arts teaches you and um, some other practices like that um, is getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. It's not supposed to be comfortable at first. It's comfortable over time. You know, it's not comfortable right away. And accepting that as a part of the process, you're going to be really um, doing yourself a favor. Cal Cease wrote a book called um, I Hope I Fail. And it kind of goes into that idea as well is that failure is okay. It's a part of the process. If you could just master everything first go, like if somebody could just get on a skateboard and do a 360 flip first try, that would be extraordinary. Nobody can do that. It's, it takes thousands of tries. But it's, the, it's, it's getting... Um, immersed in the process, you know, in the motivation world, it's embrace the grind. Um, and, um, and, and I really like what you, you added on um, about uh, the, the game ritual. So when I work with athletes, it's very important that if, you know, public speaking is one thing, it's like, it's somebody told me once, I was like, yeah, in snowboarding or extreme sports, like my athletes can literally die 
Like their physical body can die. That's way worse. And someone's like, uh-uh. And your mind, public speaking, it's just like, it's like a whole kind of emotional <laughs> like death with shame and guilt and all kinds of stuff. And I thought about it for a minute and I was like, yeah, I guess. And I was like, it's a good point because I'm, I'm familiar with that as well. But you can learn how to um, understand, communicate with, um, control to a degree, influence to a degree, your mental state. And that's one thing I think meditation is so useful for is it teaches you that you're not your thoughts and you're not your emotions, that you do have influence and you can change them, but it requires your consciousness. It requires your awareness. And most people don't realize they can actually influence those in a, to a massive degree to then go out and give, your, the, give yourself the highest um, degree or probability of success in what you're doing. And then the final Zen point that I add on there, because I, I my book is about it. It's like, okay, you want to be a champion. Great, right? One-on-one, -on -one, you could lose. It's possible. We don't want to go that way. But if you do lose and you suck and you bomb and you fail, being okay with the failure, knowing that you're complete, harmonious, valuable, worthy, awesome, even though you sucked, you know, I'm still valuable even though I butchered the intro. I'm still valuable even though I, I couldn't land, you know, a 5-0 yesterday on the freaking ledge. I don't know why. I usually can. Um, but we have these goals. And if we can do it from a state of completion where we are consistently getting comfortable with pushing our own boundaries, now we kind of have coordinates and um, a philosophy for our own way of existing on the earth being comfortable in our own skin as we just begin to push our own boundaries in ways that we decide are fulfilling and uh, meaningful to us. Um, so that's my rant. Do you guys want to add on to that? I, I'm not asking any questions, but I'd like, I, <laughs> I figure you guys have good stuff to, to add on. There, there's nothing like bombing because God, what a gift you give to your future self to have survived that when I went go-karting with Tristan for the first time, he said, my only hope for you is that you spin out and lose control. And that was, that was my biggest fear is like, I'll go fast, I'll turn the corners, but I won't spin out because I don't want to lose control and what if an accident happens? And then thank God that my competitive side kicked in and Tristan is, is racing up and passes me and we're going on a corner and I turn a little too much and I, my car just loses everything and I spin out and and I'm like oh okay it's not as scary as I thought it would be my next race I I PR'd my lap time just went down 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 because now I know the limit now I'm not scared to spin out I know what it's like and bombing on stage complimenting someone and not being reciprocated telling a joke and having people not laugh, like all of those things that we're so scared of, if we don't do them, then God, the stakes become so high because there's so many things that we have to hope we don't do. But once we, once we bomb, man, like it may suck, although you'll probably realize it actually wasn't as bad as you made it out to be. But what a gift, man. What a gift for your future self to have lived through that and now give yourself the knowledge that man it's not that bad you survived this oh man uh i'm all for that book by kyle cease i hope i fail like 
Absolutely. Because the freedom on the other side of knowing you survived something that you feared is, is so empowering. Without, I, I resonate. So my, the first speech I ever gave during my project was exactly on, on that, on my first, the first time I, I played guitar and sang like in public with a microphone amplified at a bar and I messed up. I, there was this moment where I'm supposed to whistle and when I got there, everything was going fine. I mean, my heart was beating like crazy and I was sweaty and it was, it was horrible, but I was having a blast and I didn't realize that my lips were so dry because I was so stressed that instead of a beautiful whistle, it was like, <laughs> and there was this like silence and I, it was just, and it was the worst, absolute worst, like worst case scenario for me was being on that stage and completely messing up and making a fool of myself. And that happened on the first freaking try. But as a result, first of all, it did not feel even remotely close to as bad as I thought it would. It actually, I recovered pretty well and it went okay at the end. But then I was like, okay, well, worst case scenario, check. Now it's only up from here. And it felt strangely empowering to me. Now I, I, I was so excited to go back out. But one thing I want to, I want to pick up on is you said getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. And we, we always talking about that. And I just had this little piece of insight as you shared that, where I realized that there's something I've always disliked about that. Because I think comfortable with the uncomfortable and then when the uncomfortable comes, I'm like, I'm never going to get comfortable with this. This is freaking uncomfortable. That's why it's called uncomfortable. <laughs> and I think it's almost deceiving, right? Because then if you say you can get comfortable with it and people go to the edge and they're like, wait, this is, I'm not, I, I don't see a world in which I'll get uncomfortable. It's, it's a trap. And I think a better way to say that, and I will introduce it officially right now. Somebody has probably thought of this many years before me, centuries, but I think it should be becoming familiar with the uncomfortable because the moment you go to that edge and you you confront that feeling of being uncomfortable, your edge moves. So if you stay there and you're like, Hey, look, now I'm so com comfortable doing this thing that I wasn't comfortable. Then you're, you're, you're tricking yourself that you're not at your edge anymore. The edge just moves one step later. So it's becoming familiar going like I love freestyle and skiing. And so i I feel you when you're what you're talking about your five zero. Every single time I drive down that ramp and I'm going to go off the kicker. Every single time, I feel, there's a moment where my body like wants to like go away. There's a moment where there's this natural instinct of like stop, go, do not do this crazy. Why are you going to jump into the air? And you have to at moment you have to silence it and commit a hundred percent and be one hundred percent confident that it's going to go and it's going to work. Otherwise, you're just making sure it's not going to work. If you, if you lose confidence in the middle of a, of a jump, you will crash. How, how real is that, right? It's true, right? You're up there. If you're, if you're losing confidence, but you hold whatever you have, and you, you're going to recover, it's, something's going to work. But if you're up there and you're like, oh, no, then you, know, you open up your body and you start thinking, I'm, well, that's clearly going to land you in the, in the wrong way. Uh, and I think it hits, it's just bringing it back to everything we've been talking about. All of these fundamental principles are, 
are true whether you're snowboarding, skiing, skateboarding, speaking, living life in general. It all, when you bring it back to the foundations, that's why religions survive thousands of years. That's why all of these phenomenal books have survived over centuries and centuries. It's because they hit on foundations, foundational concepts and the little tips and tricks around it doesn't, don't matter as much. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent agree. And you know, I like that. I like that you um, upgraded that. Cause I think that that's a, an important distinction. And I wrote this down cause I wanted to mention it, but it was uh, the idea of being afraid, but doing it anyway, like building up your courage. There's a quote that goes something along the lines of like, you know, God, I don't pray for an easy life. I, I pray for the strength to endure a challenging one or something like that. And um so I think that those are really important distinctions and, and it's the idea that, you know, we're getting more and more comfortable. So life should just be comfortable and it's all perfect and it's all going to go wonderful and there's no threat out there. You know, most of the threats are, are fear-based and it keeps us, uh, is it, what is it sedentary? Is that the word? sedentary um, and it reminds me of Wall-E have you guys seen that where everybody is on a spaceship and, and they don't even like get out of bed. You know what I mean? Or like, I look at like my nephew and like my mom and, you know, I don't know if it's different between girls or guys or the fact that I don't know how to raise a kid, whatever, but <laughs> any of those things, but they're always like so concerned with how cold it is. It's like if he's cold, he can get, uh, he'll put on a jacket. He's like, oh, he's got mud on him. He's like, he should, I'm an adult and I'm getting in the mud on purpose. You know what I mean? I'm getting like in involved with the elements you know what i mean like that is a part of it you're not supposed to stay what is the joy in that you know you may as well just stay inside because it's rainy we stay inside because it's muddy we can't go to work because tom there and he's a dickhead you know you know when we start to just express ourselves more be more honest and like just learn to like okay let's do it but i think that um uh michael you made a really good point with just saying that uh you know, shoot, I've, 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 I was looking at my notes and trying to, well, yeah, the gift of failing, it's not as bad as you think, you know, it really isn't. Yeah, I, and I've failed lots of, lots of things all the time. <laughs> it's just like, it's, and it's terrible in the moment when it's happening, it's awful. But like, once it's done, you're like, all right, that wasn't so bad. And like, um, Tristan, you're talking about the, the, um, the bombing, the music, People don't care about you. They're going to be like looking at you and be like, that guy sucks for a second. And then they're going to concern themselves with whatever they're doing. And then they're going to stress in their own mind about whatever they're going to stress. They couldn't care. Even if it's on like TV and you get TMZ and all that, right? It's like, oh, this, like people will think about that for a second, but it's like, it's meaningless. Then they got to cross the street and they're worried about whatever they're worried about. Like people don't care about you. You know what I mean? So what you can do is just fully engage yourself as hardcore and as authentic as you possibly can, you know, doing it anyways. Um, and then just embracing or just having that courage to move forward and, and speaking, I think it like with what you guys are doing is really important, especially for youth. Cause I remember high school being terrifying, even though I was very fortunate in being athletic, having great friends and all this stuff. And I was still terrified. Um, so just being able to speak your truth is going to help you become an authentic person. It's going to help you learn all of these things. That's really hard to share in a podcast without experiencing it, but you can learn it through speaking, through sport, through jujitsu, through art, through doing something that's authentically meaningful for you 
and just pushing your own boundaries in your own way. So I just want to rant all that and just give it back to you guys to say thank you so much for your time and what you're sharing. And I know that you guys have achieved at, uh, at least uh, some level of mastery and world championships is pretty high because when people are at that, it's hard to go to like, and when I coach, it's hard to explain right away. That's why I do a, a discovery call with people because they're like, what's the like, I call them like the sprinkles or the glitter. I can give you tools all day for like everything. I got tools coming out everywhere. I got tools. I've been looking at tools for a long time and, and they work, but it's like glitter on top of that. Like if you wake up, are you, are you whole? Are you authentic? Are you creating connection to spirit in your own way? Are you honoring yourself? Are you finding yourself in the answers? Like, my one of the clients I had said the greatest thing of all time, we were going to like renew our contract. And I was like, think about what I've taught you, right? Cause she's always learning from these different people. And I don't teach her a lot of that stuff, you know, that I can, but we end up always talking about some other stuff. And she's like, the biggest thing you taught me is I don't need you. I was like, bam, got it. Perfect. You know what I mean? And so we've got to be our own sovereign beings, our own, um, our own like solace, like to just be okay if, if the world is crap. And that's like the ultimate form. But then from there, we have the courage to go and fail and come back to ourselves and be okay to fail, to come back to ourselves, to be okay and, and learn. It's actually not as bad as what we're imagining in our minds. It's this mental prison we create that's so real and so powerful. And we we're really stuck in that. And each indiv- and we only know ourselves, so our, our prisons are very unique and very sophisticated. So if we could just start to open the gates and push, just step outside a little bit, it's going to be a uh, it can it can be very transformational. And so I just want to I recognize what you guys are doing, and I think it's very important. So great job. And um, I just want to ask if there's anything that you wish that I had asked either of you. Um, any any clothing closing thoughts, and feel free to share as long as you wish. Um, I just appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah, well, I'll take the next hour to, to share some of my thoughts on, on public. <laughs> Great. I'll sit here. Love it. <laughs> uh, Matt, thanks for having us on the show. Um, I love the, the level of thought that originates uh, between us. Uh, it really has turned my gears, the, the entire conversation. I think the thing I want to leave with mostly for the people that, that I resemble the most, um, the people that, that see this as a challenge and they're not sure if it's worth undertaking, uh, the people who have anxiety like, like I did most of my life. Um, and I think I've mentioned before, we've worked with several people who take Xanax before work. If there's any hint of having to speak in front of their team, and I can relate to that. Communication and public speaking are skills like guitar is a skill, like jujitsu is a skill. And if there's anything I learned from Tristan, it's that any skill can be learned. And I've met a lot of people in my life who, who believe that public speaking can be learned by other people, but not by them because their case is so severe and it's just, they've grown up with such debilitating fear around it that it's just, it's not possible. And I just want to, since you gave the opportunity, I want to, I want to really take it and I want to use the opportunity to remind everyone that any skill can be learned. And 
your boss who is just a gift of the gab or your coworker who just seems to be talking on their feet, they feel nervous too. They're going through the skill set too. They've just developed certain patterns that, the, that they're good at now. But it's a skill like anything else. And so I just want to encourage anyone who, who even has that inkling of desire to get better at this, to go for it. Because like any skill, you can learn it. And you'll be surprised that once you start out on that journey to learning it, you're going to make leaps and bounds faster than you think. And I just want to encourage everyone to, to learn the skill of public speaking, of, of effective communication, because the other side of it is just, it's, it's incredible. And, and I love it so much. And I, I don't want to pollute any of those words. <laughs> I mean, I, I resonate with every fiber of my being. Uh, yeah, it's just one of the, it's just, I have such a strong drive to share the things I love and the things that have changed my life and learning new skills and getting good at it and experiencing the change in my life that it's had, not only public speaking, but everything, skiing, like every, all of this jujitsu has been huge, but yeah, we die when we stagnate. One of the questions that I we like asking, Michael sometimes asks some of our clients just to put them on the spot and see what come, how their brain works and how they react under pressure is, life is like a bicycle, why? <laughs> and you have literally a, barely a second <laughs> of speaking. But one of my fa- I don't even remember who gave this and we've had, I've heard tons of different answers, but one of my favorite answers was if you stop moving, you fall. And it's the same thing in storytelling though. As long as you're moving forward, it, it's just the, the key to storytelling. It's the key to life. Always be more moving forward because it's about the journey. And Yeah, I just I just want to end that there. I do want to share. We we prepared something for your listeners, and this will speak most to the frustrated listener who wanted something tactical. Because there are there, you know, as you're saying, you have a ton of tools and they work, and we also have a ton of tools and they work. And we really wanted to insist on how important it is to hit the root and how. If you don't go, if you're not going out there and speaking, I can give you all the tools in the world. Nothing's going to change. You, you have to do something about it. It's your choice. But if you do on our website, ultraspeaking.com slash Matt, M-A-T-T. Um, I can never spell ultra for some reason. U-L-T-R-A, ultra. <laughs> I always mess that one up. Ultraspeaking.com slash Matt. It's not live yet. So please wait five minutes if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but we have a, a guide that's the five mind altering shifts to confidence speaking are sort of the five of the most powerful insights we've garnered so far on our journey. And in addition to that, we have a three part video course that you'll get if you, if you sign up. 
it's just you know there's no it's it's completely free but with those with the guide and and the three videos you're guaranteed to have something very palpable to start your journey with and this applies regardless of your level of speaking if you're riddled with anxiety or you're already a pretty confident speaker there's going to be something in this that's going to get you one step further on your journey awesome well boys i appreciate that um i really enjoyed this conversation and i um, am really grateful that you guys stuck to what i refer to as the meat and potatoes because that's we got to get to the root of all these things and and explore the processes and and the ways to get better but um you know, it is, it is about the journey and, you know, that idea of, um, you know, moving forward. I always talk to David Lombear about all this stuff, you know, and I'm like, okay, what do I do here? Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, just do something. You know, that's speaking the same thing. Just, just do something. He's like, you can't do a wrong thing if you're just doing something. And in skateboarding, it's the same analogy. Like, how do you kick flip? You put your foot in a certain direction or how do you start a business or whatever the case is. But we get stuck in thinking that we need to know how to do the guitar right away or whatever the skill is. And so just giving yourself that little bit of space and that little bit of time to just start and do something. Um, and, and yeah, just making making one thing, make, doing one small thing. So I appreciate you guys. I appreciate that um, offer. I'm going to check it out because it, like you said, as you know, when I speak, I'm always terrified. You know, that's what I say. It's like, I'm nervous right now. <laughs> you guys are all looking at me. <laughs> so it's true. And um, I'm, I'm excited to dive in myself. So I appreciate you guys very much. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll, we'll stay in touch. Absolutely. Beautiful. Thank you, man. Awesome. My pleasure. We'll see you guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. All right, guys. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I know that I did. There was such valuable information in there just about you know self-confidence and self-worth and failure and you know really just hitting the nail on the head of being secure and, and being able to present ourselves in the world authentic authentically. So if you liked that episode and you liked parts of it, please take screenshots, share on Instagram, share on Facebook, um, share some of the blogs. It really helps to get the word out there. Uh, leave a review in iTunes if you haven't done that. Um, thank you so much to my support on Patreon. It really goes a massively long way. If you want to go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair and toss a buck in the bucket, it really does help uh, keep the show moving forward so I can create these episodes for you guys. Um, what else? If you guys want some coaching, go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and we can basically dive deep in all these topics of personal development, spirituality, um, overcoming blocks and limitations, defining a life vision, a life purpose. Um, I have tools and support from years of research lots of podcasts and lots of coaching and self-inquiry that can help you just get to where is meaningful and empowering for you and overcome those limitations that we all have. It's, you know, with working with so many people, I realize we're all facing the same things. Same with me. So um, got some tools to help with that if you want. Uh, make sure you go to uh, the website, sign up for the email list to stay up to date. And that's about it. So oh yeah, thank you so much Himalaya. Uh, go check out the Himalaya podcast app, H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A. Follow the Mastermind Body and Spirit show. And um, yeah, it's a really great app, easy to use, easy to navigate, um, and thrilled to be a partner with them. And they've been helping out a lot. So thank you guys very much. And that's about it. So let's wrap this up with a quick little peace and coherence meditation so wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing taking a deep breath in through your nose 
Hold that breath and just let it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day coming to total peace and coherence, remembering that you are whole, perfect, balanced, incredible, just as you are. So have an incredible day. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. 